Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Liberty won. Libertarians won in Argentina. And it took all of five seconds for libertarians to begin to tear said winner apart. Say, say what? Ah, classic big L libertarian and the reason why the liberty movement more broadly can't have nice things. Oh, and then there's uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen opening her mouth and reminding us all why she is the worst. I'm Andrew Coppins. You're tuned in or watching Critical Thinking. I hope you guys all had a great weekend. Yes, I am Andrew Coppins, and you are tuned in or you're watching if you are on Rumble, on X, or if you are uh, listening via podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I thank you so very, very much for all of that. But it is the number one critical thinking podcast in the world. Do not forget that. That's right. We are the number one critical thinking podcast in the world. Before we get going on today's show, yes, it's a Monday, I th but, but Andrew, I thought you said you are going to be Tuesday, Thursday. Yes, I normally will be Tuesday and Thursday um, going forward, but as we kind of transition out of the daily stuff, um, as we're in the holiday season, I think it is really important that we be flexible here. And so one of the things that we're going to be doing is the transition will happen slowly, and this is Thanksgiving week. I am not going to release a show on Tuesday and then Thanksgiving Day. That makes no sense whatsoever. So you will have me today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Yes, three shows this week. It's going to be more topical. We're going to do a little truth or fiction tomorrow. Uh, Pat will have some say in all of that. Um, he is doing well. I don't know if you had a chance to check out the wonderful pictures of, of Mrs. Pat, Pat and the baby, but uh, everybody is doing well. And I am so very, very happy for them. So you can check all of that out. Now, before we get going on the crux of libertarians winning in Argentina, in fact, in a massive way, I would be remiss if I did not mention the passing of Rosalind Carter, uh, the former first lady of the United States, wife to Jimmy Carter. 
And, and I'm just going to say this. I just, despite all of her ill will and resentment and just nastiness towards the Reagan family and Raul Reagan for the loss of that election in 1980, for all of that, I just refuse to speak ill of her because here's the, the thing. She lived a very long life, 96 years old. She battled a lot of very different things in her life, and she lived a life of service. That's the reality of this, her and her husband, whatever you think of them, whatever you think of their politics and all of that. She did leave a, a lead a life of service, Habitat for Humanity, Mental Health, the Carter um, Center, and all of the things that they did. So there's a lot of good to be said about the life of Rosalind Carter. She absolutely was an advocate for mental health care. Um, she really kind of partnered with the Betty Ford Center and Betty Ford and really focused in on mental health and substance abuse and things of that nature. And those are all positive things for our society. So, yes, Rosalind Carter passed away, aged 96, battled dementia. I believe they announced it in May, so she's probably been battling it for quite some time before they announced that. And Anybody who's experienced battling that level of dementia, um, it is brutal on the family, and I don't wish it on anybody. But thank you for your battle towards mental health and destigmatizing mental health in this country, because I think it is important. I think that there's a lot to be said about um, helping people and showing that it's okay to get help. So. While I may not have agreed with her politics, she also transformed how the First Lady functions. She was very involved, sitting in on cabinet meetings and politically active. There's no doubt about that, um, but a life of service, no less. So um, this country will miss somebody of service, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about that because I just refuse to speak ill. This is not the place or time to talk their politics or her politics and this, that, or everything in between. The only other thing you could say possibly is that her husband was absolutely the worst president in probably your parents' lifetime, by far, like not even close. But with that all having been said, a life of service, and that should be applauded. All right. With that having been said, folks, um, liberty. This is a movement that includes people that are a little more far right, a little more classical liberty, uh, liberal, libertarian. There's all sorts of stripes inside the liberty movement. But there is no doubt that libertarianism won a massive victory yesterday. In fact, one of the things that is hilarious to me is that socialists claim or communists claim that it's really never been properly executed and tried anywhere in the world, right? Well, the same could be said about the libertarian philosophy. In fact, literally nowhere in the world has that been a thing that has been tried. Until now. As a self-avowed anarcho-capitalist, which is pretty much, I would say, on the economic scale, vastly libertarian, won a victory yesterday. That's right. Won a victory as the president. That's right. The president, the head of government in Argentina 
And the first thing that the left did, folks, was this. Político, social y económico de la Argentina es responsabilidad del nuevo presidente, del presidente electo, y esperamos que así lo haga. Le hemos además planteado al presidente electo y al presidente de la nación la responsabilidad de mañana mismo poner en marcha mecanismos de enlace y transición. That's right, folks. Javier Molay. Javier Molay, if you have heard people pronounce it any other way, it's wrong. It's Molay. Javier Molay won the presidential election, and what you witnessed, if you were watching, is literally people crying that the pro-Perone, yes, still, still the Perone wing of everything, far, far left, authoritarian left, crying that, uh-oh, they lost. Now, I was happy watching an actual libertarian win something on a national scale like this. That is incredible, folks. 56%. They won. Javier Malay won 56% of the vote, having not garnered enough to avoid a runoff the first time around. And by the way, was second to the pro Perone. And by the way, if you're going full pro Perone, you're an ass. It's just that, that reality folks. And, and the politics of Argentina, obviously I don't know everything. I know about, like 0.1% of what's going on. But the realities of its long-term debt, its long-term economic issues are very abundantly clear. Um, you, you've seen it bubble up time and time again, I would say over the last wait, about 15, 20 years. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. I was left absolutely joyful at the thought that we're actually going to get a candidate with a massive mandate who is pro-liberty, pro-libertarian, pro-Austrian economics at the helm of a government for the first time ever. What can be done? Where does this go? What, what types of things can actually be done? Because, yes, he is a self-avowed anarcho-capitalist. He has decided to do all sorts of or or platform all sorts of actual libertarian economic policies as what he wants to accomplish. And we're going to get into all of that in a little bit. But just as that libertarian is celebrating the win, the big L libertarians decided to crap all over that victory. Just like the Libertarian Party here in America crapped over its first mayoral win, literally running a city in Wichita, Kansas, by the way, that, yeah, that happened um, just earlier this month. Now, this, according to the Ron Paul Institute, <clears throat> on X, Argentina presidential candidate Javier Malay is not the great libertarian hope. Um, say what? Well, if you were wondering, it goes something uh, kind of like this. From Daniel McAdams. I will say, because I've seen several headlines saying, is Malay the new Ron Paul? 
Is this the Ron Paul revolution? The answer is a categoric no. The positions that he takes are categorically opposed to Ron Paul's positions, particularly when you look at his foreign policy, which interestingly enough tracks identically with the foreign policy of the U.S. foreign policy blob. The regime that runs Washington, whether you elect Democrats or Republicans, he's absolutely on message when it comes to Ukraine and Russia. He's absolutely on message when it comes to China. He calls China assassins. He says, I would never promote relations with Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, Nicaragua, or China, and etc., etc. So certainly when it comes to those areas, he's not Ron Paul. Ron Paul would never say this. Um... All I am going to say on this very topic is, so let me get this right. If he doesn't exactly agree with some sort of purity test on like one-tenth of what he's there to accomplish in Argentina, because let's be straight on this, okay? Argentina's economy is in major trouble, and I'm going to detail that in a little bit. That's what matters to Argentinians. Less so, quote-unquote, U.S. foreign policy and personal opinions on that. But if he's not in total lockstep with literally every last point that Ron Paul would like, suddenly he's not libertarian. The dude literally announced to the entire world that he hates socialists. Thus, that would be the reason why he doesn't like China, Cuba, Venezuela, etc., etc., so if he if he what what part of that is not libertarian? What part of I'm not going to normalize relations with people who literally hate liberty is anti Ron Paul? I I don't get that at all. That that's literally solid foreign policy. Nah, we're we're good. We don't need to normalize relations with people who literally want to murder us. That would be like, oh, by the way, normalize relations with Hamas if you're Israel. Go ahead. I mean, you know, stated in their charters that they literally want to destroy your way of life, your government, and oh, by the way, kill all of you wherever you're found all over the world. But, you know, normalize relations with them. This is bonkers by the Ron Paul Institute. Yeah, you know, it doesn't exactly align with every last single possible solitary thing. He's no Ron Paul, therefore he's not really libertarian. This is the BS that people hate about the Libertarian Party here in America. If you hold a position that's a little bit different than the orthodoxy, whatever that is supposed to mean within the Libertarian Party, by the way, as if there's some sort of purity test for being libertarian, you know, considering libertarians about individual thought, individual freedom, individual rights. That's really weird that you have to have some sort of purity test. But I digress. Because it's not even the Ron Paul Institute that's really the problem. Because, you know, with with friends like the Ron Paul Institute, who really needs the enemies of the left-wing media, who want everybody to believe that Javier Malay is just this far-right radical candidate. Yes, I pulled this, folks, this morning um, from the Google machine as I Googled Javier Malay. 
These are the top stories from the BBC. Javier Malay, Argentina's first uh, Argentina's far right outsider, wins presidential election. CNBC, Trump admiring populist Malay wins in Argentina, edging the country closer to. I have no idea. Uh, then CNN, far right outsider Javier Malay wins Argentina's presidency. Fox News, Javier Malay crushes Argentine left, becomes world's first libertarian head of state. AP. Javier Malay, who is Argentina's new president-elect? Now, those, those last two headlines are, are not uh, totally bat nuts, but the simple matter of the fact is, uh, notice the framing from almost every corner of the media, that he's some far-left, Trump-loving populist. He couldn't be further from loving Donald Trump. He couldn't be further from populism. It is literally the antithesis of anarcho-capitalism. It is the antithesis of pro-liberty, pro-individual freedom. And we're going to get into that. He's just like Donald Trump, except for not at all, right? And it's all over left-wing media. It's all over right-wing media, too, by the way, that he's some sort of populist. No, he's not. He, He literally says, screw all of that. But who is Javier Malay then? What does he actually stand for? Well, number one, he is an anarcho-capitalist. He is a student of the Austrian School of Economics. And by the way, he was an economic minister within the Argentine government as if he's some sort of far outside candidate. No, no, no. He saw this intimately from the inside. He was attempting to work from the inside out, and now he is just going to run the government. His platform included those far-right talking points as, you know, slashing the budget by 15%. Uh, He wanted to end the, the central bank or the Fed, whatever it's called over there, Oh, and then he wanted to move away from the peso to the U.S. dollar, by the way. Super right wing of him. All of it. Because, you know, here in America, the right wing has done such a great job of reining in the budget, of of keeping the dollar strong, of ending the Fed. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, um, oopsie-daisies. Now, why in the crap would he want to dollarize the Argentine economy? Yes, that's right. Move away from the Argentine peso to the U.S. dollar. Why? Why? Especially if he's an anarcho-capitalist. Well, it turns out that Argentina has about 143% inflation. That's right. 143% inflation as of October this year. Oh, and the peso, the the thing that they use to start their economy, right, that you have to trade around. Oh, it's at... uh, 99% 99% loss of its value. That's right. It lost 99% of its value. So how do you avoid the furtherance of hyperinflation, the furtherance of deep debt that the government's already in, by the way? How do you avoid that? Well, you would have to go to a stronger currency, right? That stronger currency would then allow you to slow inflation, to bring things a little bit under control. Allegedly. Now, can that work? I don't know. I am not a well-heeled, 
deep in the woods economist. I mean, yes, I did pass both AP macro and microeconomics while I was a junior in high school. Yes, I did do that and get college credit for it. But I'm not here to study all of those things. I, I don't have time for that. What I do know is that somebody else who is doing that as a professional believes that it can be done. But when we see the hyperinflation of Argentina's economy, when we see the dollar slipping in its importance on the world scale, would this be a benefit to both Argentina and the United States? It could be. It could work to help stabilize, to make the U.S. dollar even more important on the international scale, considering the fact that elsewhere in the world, they're de-dollarizing. So, could this work? Absolutely, it could. We don't know. But here's the thing. I can say that about all of the things that he wants to attempt to try to help Argentina's economy. And what I do know is that when you take a look at the fact that he won 56% of the vote, the people, especially the youth, which he won, by the way, the youth vote is what put him over the top in this election, which is kind of antithetical to the thought that everybody is left-wing. All of that is to say that their hunger to try something different has finally won out. And my question to America is, considering what you have seen from both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, literally for my entire life, what part of that suggests that they're going to do anything different? here. So why are we not attempting to try something different here? So my hope is that we get to see Javier Malay in action. I hope that we can see him and the, the Federal Reserve or Central Bank, whatever, don't go down the road of climate change nonsense, which he has railed against as an absolute socialist fantasy time and time again. And by the way, look up his talk about socialist. It, it, it is as brutally honest as humanly possible. He just simply says out loud, wherever socialism is tried, people die. And, and that's the reality. Venezuela, Cuba, all over the world, where real socialism is tried, people die. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Like, die because of government, not because of their own decisions, but governments kill their own people. That's what, that's what they're talking about here.
He attacks the far left agenda on that climate change talk. Totally right wing MAGA. <laughs> Again, winning 56% of the vote. He gets the young to back him in numbers that nobody else in the world has gotten from a quote-unquote far-right perspective. But the media is not going to tell you that story. The media just wants to paint him as right-wing. Now, I will say this, that U.S. right-wing versus international right-wing are vastly different, and that's the important distinction here. What passes for right-wing internationally is vastly different and we have to be careful about how we're couching that is the u.s media is the british media talking about this from the perspective of u.s right wing or international right wing because international right wing means well nazism and and all of that sort of stuff and painting him as that is absolutely insane does he hold some positions of the right in the united states of america absolutely he does but he is far more in the middle when it comes to most things. Now, I'm going to be fascinatingly watching. I am going to be watching like crazy what happens there. How does his economic policy help or hurt Argentina? Can it help? Does it worsen hyperinflation? Where does his strength lie? What things can he actually accomplish? Because there was a lot of really awesome libertarian talk from him. And let's see what can be delivered. And if it can be delivered, my question is, could this be a blueprint for more of this around the globe? I don't know. But success is going to be important here. And sure, we may not have alignment on every single thing down the road, God forbid. But I'm going to be one that's going to cheer on success. I'm going to point out failure. But let's hope for more success than failure. Instead of just tearing this guy apart five seconds after he wins. This is just so stupid. All right. That all being said, folks, I I just ask this. Can we just enjoy a victory for somebody who's liberty-minded just once? Just one time. Just enjoy a victory for somebody who actually cares about liberty, actually cares about individual rights and responsibilities and action. Just just one time. Can we just stop and enjoy? Because this has never happened before. Again, I'm going to say that. It has never happened before anywhere in the world at this level, period, point blank. So, I don't know, enjoy the moment? Now, speaking of economics and economies, um, our wonderful Treasury Secretary, Secretary Janet Yellen decided to open her mouth again and then remove all doubt that she's in way, way over her head. Either that or all of this is being done on purpose and, well, then neither of those options are actually good. Here is her speaking over the weekend to CNBC. Be in coming going forward. Did, Did you feel any more confident coming out of this around the future of Taiwan and Taiwan's independence? And the reason I ask this question is, 
from the readout that came out from that meeting, there was a suggestion that uh, President Xi still does have every ambition uh, to uh, one way or the other take over that country, but at the same time uh, that he doesn't necessarily want to do that militarily. Um, he said publicly with the, some of the CEOs he does not want to have some kind of military confrontation. But how do you square those two ideas and how do you think Western and U.S. businesses are supposed to think about that? Well, President Biden made clear that our China policy, our Taiwan policy, has not changed at all and um, that we want to see uh, peaceful relations uh, continue and um, certainly to avoid military action. This is clearly a very important um, issue from China's point of view. And President Xi did express uh, the view that it's important for uh, Taiwan and uh, mainland China to unify. He certainly expressed the desire to have that occur by peaceful means. Um, but President Biden said our policy remains unchanged from what it's always been with respect to Taiwan. Was there any additional... Hey, hold up, wait a minute. Why are you asking the uh, Treasury Secretary about Taiwan? Oh, wait, she also... Oh, weird. She is wholly unqualified to be the Treasury Secretary. That's why. But she has international experience, right? Uh, but more important than that, what is the U.S.'s policy on this, Secretary Yellen? Did, did that become the follow-up? No. No, it was not the follow-up. Just move on. What is the U.S. policy? Why are we at loggerheads? Oh, that's right. The U.S. policy is that Taiwan should be an independent and has been an independent country all along. And, uh, oh, wait, if you state that out loud, you might provoke the Chinese and well, God forbid we, we uh, you know, do that. Oh, wait, because they're ready to go to war if we do that. Oh, that's right. You, you, you can't speak of the position that we hold and, and, and hope to avoid military conflict. But lest you forget that her job is actually to talk about the U.S. economy, we get this on the economy. Madam Secretary, it may be good news for, for, for Americans, but it doesn't seem to be showing up in the polls uh, for President Biden. And I also want to uh, read you something. Uh, a recent poll by The New York Times and uh, Siena College finding 59 percent of voters under 30 rate the economy as poor. So, you know, philosophically and sort of intellectually, you can look at a lot of these numbers and say, this man, this is a, a great economy in so many ways on a relative basis to history and the like. But... At the same time, you have poll numbers and others saying that they don't feel it. Yeah, I'm aware of that. And I think it's our job to um, explain to Americans what President Biden has done to improve the economy. I think as inflation comes down, uh, prices stop rising and the labor market remains strong. Um, Americans will begin to see that we have made meaningful progress. And importantly, the administration is making investments in America that will show up in improved conditions um, and more available. Okay, 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 okay. I cannot take any of that. 
You see, we're just doing the the terrible job of selling to the American people the realities. Now, I will say this. If you do look at the inflationary numbers, they are ticking slightly lower, slightly lower, like maybe a tenth to two-tenths of a point lower. But then when you adjust them a couple months later down the road, they go higher, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's fine. But for the American public that is now going out and buying turkeys and doing all the things for Thanksgiving meals, ask them if they feel as if their prices are going down. Ask them if they feel like their their buying power has gone up. Oh, wait. Ask those who literally are paying 7 8 9% on a loan for a vehicle how that feels. Ask those who in the last year and a half went from three and a half, four percent on an, on a housing loan to seven, eight percent on a housing loan. Now that number is coming down because the Federal Reserve has done what to its main rate? It has signified that it's going lower. And it it has backed off all of the the crazy um boosts that it has given to the inflationary rate. Never mind the fact that we are still spending money like it is going out of style. Never mind the fact that we are adding trillions upon trillions, yes, I said trillions with a T, of new debt, even on top of the trillions already spent by Donald Trump and then more by Joe Biden to add somewhere between the the low end of six and the more realistic end of $8 trillion over the past four years to our economy. Oh, that's right. And we keep flooding more and more money, paper money into the economy, not tightening that monetary supply to help with this inflationary period. Oh, wait. Huh. That's right. If we have that massive debt, we have to print money. Did you hear any of that? It's all about, well, we have to sell it better to the American people. There's nothing that Joe Biden, Janet Yellen, the people at the Fed have actually done that has helped any of this. The reality is, and always has been, there's only one way that government can help inflation. Actually, it's two ways. Number one, constrict the monetary supply, which sometimes is good, but other times can also be bad, hence the you know, lifting of interest rates. Or it can stop spending money like it's going out of style. Uh, if we heard that refrain, no, 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 we can't do that. It's all about selling it to the American people, right? Now, speaking of that, um, oh, oh my God, on taxes. Let me ask you this, though. The other piece of this on the other side is that we are having our debt and deficit go up and up and up and up and up. Uh, we had uh, Stan Druckenmiller on our program recently. He said we are spending like drunken sailors. Don't forget, uh, pre-COVID, the federal government was 20 percent of GDP. Now it's 25 percent of GDP. My father told me, if you're in a hole, stop digging, Stan. And so the question is, if we're going to be um, spending this money, are there offsets? Should we be thinking about offsets? Or is that the wrong way to think about it in the, in the context uh, of war and national security? Well, um, I, I don't think we need to have offsets for what is an emergency 
a national security situation, but we certainly do need a fiscally responsible and sustainable uh, path uh, for spending and taxation in our economy. Uh, President Biden has uh, signed a bills that result in a trillion dollars of deficit reduction over the next uh, 10 years. Um, we've had responsible investments in the U.S. economy that will have a payoff. Um, and uh, we've provided additional uh, money to the Internal Revenue Service, which will have an enormous payoff in closing the $7 trillion tax gap that we have in the United States. We're simply not collecting the taxes that people owe, and this will have a huge payoff as well. Oh, hold up. Wait a minute. Stop right there. Do not put any pimping in it. Janet Yellen, there it is. We just haven't collected enough taxes, except for <clears throat> from the Congressional Budget Office, the revenues in fiscal year 2020 totaled $4.9 trillion, of which more than half were receipts from individual income taxes, which are, as, which, by the way, more than half, more than half came from your individual taxes, okay? The highest ever percentage of gross domestic product Ever. That's right. Ever. Federal revenue was equal to 16% of total gross domestic product. I, I just... Oh, my God. By the way, they collected 21% more in fiscal year 2022 than was collected in fiscal year 2021... $850 billion of that $4.9 trillion, which is the largest increase, the largest increase. I, I just, oh, just unbelievable here, folks. Just, just insanity. I could go on. The deficit was equal to 5.5% of the nation's GDP, down from 12.3% in 2021, but still larger than the 4.6% recorded in 2019, which would be what? The year before the pandemic and all the craziness, right? So that's important. It is above that number. The 2022 deficit was the third largest as a percentage of GDP over the past decade and greater than the 50-year average of 3.6%. Compared with the size of the economy, federal debt held as the held by the public fell to 97% of GDP in 2022 from 98.4 and that was fiscal year 2021 and then 100% at the end of 2020. Now again, all of this is covid 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 so you have to be careful with these numbers, but <clears throat> GDP increased by a larger percentage than did the debt. In contrast, debt held by the public stood at 79.4% of GDP at the end of 2019 before the pandemic. We are at 98.4 from 79.4. Let's do the math there. That's almost a 20% increase in two fiscal years. Well, three fiscal years, 2020, 2021, and 2022. It, we we got to collect more. We don't have a spending problem. We have a collection problem. 
I think it's really very, very simple. If that is the case, why don't you make it very, very, very easy? Um, this is how much you made. This is how much you owe. Boom. Done. To corporations, to individuals, and be done with it. No loopholes, no nothing. You're a corporation here in the United States of America. You owed this amount. Blah, 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 blah. Wouldn't that make it easier to, quote, unquote, collect the right revenue? Yet our revenue was up last year. Yet all of the rest of that is still true. Rosy times, right? Rosy times there, Janet. But she's not done, folks. She is not done because she's got more. And I mean more to tell you about foreign aid. Uh, Ukraine and Israel. Um, the Biden administration has this $105 billion security aid package um, on the table. What's the chance that it, uh, it gets passed before the end of the year? Well, um, it's a critical priority for the president and critical to the national security of our country. Um, I can't prognosticate about the timetable on this. Um, I'm pleased that Congress has passed legislation to keep the government open and running, but it really is essential that uh, this aid be provided both to Israel and to Ukraine. We can't allow uh, Ukraine to um, lose a battle uh, on the home front because it lacks enough money to keep uh, school teachers in the classroom and first responders on the job when it's fighting valiantly um, on on the battlefield. So, whoa, 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 whoa. Before I go crazy here, did, did I just hear Janet Yellen make the case that it is the responsibility of the United States of America to make sure that the first responders, the teachers, all of the other people, it is our responsibility to fund that in Ukraine. We have to, we have to aid. We have to give another hundred or ninety billion dollars to these people because I think it's something like fourteen billion of that is is funneled over to Israel and and whatever. So, you are literally telling us it is all about us funding the infrastructure and the home front of Ukraine. We're funding the home front of Ukraine, yet we can't even do the simplest funding here in America, yet we're deeply, deeply in debt, as I just ran through. What are we doing? You are the worst. This administration is at least in the top two in my life of worst administrations ever. Possibly you can make an argument as the worst. But Carter, now Carter was not in my lifetime technically, but uh, um, right before my lifetime. But I would argue that Obama's first four years and then this are very comparable in my lifetime. I can make an argument that uh, Bush the first, pretty not fun. I just, I mean, come on. She is literally peeing on our leg and telling us it's raining and slapping us in the face afterwards, and we do nothing about it. 
we have nobody fighting it. In fact, uh, we have Speaker Johnson just saying, rubber stamp. What are we doing? And with that, folks, I need to cool down a little bit on this Monday before I go absolutely insane. So, folks, I hope you have a good rest of your day. I will be here for Truth or Fiction Tuesday. Make sure you check out at The Coppin Show on X on Facebook. Um, send your truth or fiction statements that way. It's just as simple as that. Um, send a statement. I'll tell you if it's going to be truth or fiction on air tomorrow. And then Wednesday, we will be with you one last time this week. And then we'll see kind of how the schedule plays out in December after that. Uh, but, folks, please make sure you have a good rest of your day. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.